Welcome to episode two of The Mushroom's Apprentice. I'm your host, Shona Holm, and I'm very, very excited to introduce someone who is very dear to me, and her name is Kathy Coyle. Kathy is an Irish medicine woman who combines her expertise in psychology, she has an MA, coaching and leadership, along with a powerful shamanic practice that includes yoga and breath work. She is a Dree, and I will read from her explanation of that Gaelic word on her website, which is kathycoyle.com, and that's C-A-T-H-Y-C-O-Y-L-E.com. Quote, the term Bandri refers to the female druids and priestesses of ancient Ireland. My unique pathway encompasses my Gaelic lineage. A daughter within a long line of magical women, I have been raised with intuitive awareness and understanding of our connection to the subtle energy realms. The mystics of Ireland have long held the knowledge of the sacred healing modalities, and this pathway remains open to those who hear the call. The legacy of the Bandri scales through time, embodying the Druidic priestess, the seer, wise woman, and the witch. This is a nature path built upon a rhythm of magic, healing, and wisdom, a lineage passed down through the Gaelic bloodlines and preserved within the sacred trees and master plants of the land. Now, I have known Kathy for probably six years now. She contacted me through Facebook to talk to me about her experiences with the she while in the psychedelic space. And I was, I think, the only one talking about that at that time. And I want you to know that Kathy is the real deal. She has eyes to see and ears to hear and a very distinct and potent connection to the spirit realm. She's also very humble and gracious, and she possesses tremendous skill and integrity. So welcome, dear Kathy, to The Mushroom's Apprentice. Thank you, Shana. That's, um, yeah, that's a very powerful, important introduction. I am very, very grateful, and I'm very honored to and uh, just be able to witness you speaking those words about me, which is like, a, you know, such an incredible gift and support as well for me as I am also birthing my pathway and just to have your, you as a torchbearer, I guess that's sort of when I found you, it was like, this is the torchbearer for the tradition that we are both resurging in many ways. So it's, it's, it's really beautiful for me to be here and have this, have this conversation today. Yeah, well, let us start with some background. And you talk about coming from a line of magical women. So I, I, I want to hear about, about that. Mm. Yeah, I think I've been... One of the biggest blessings I've had in my life is that the kind of container around magic and the fairy realms, the she and the Tua and, and all of the beautiful mythos of ancient Ireland, beyond mythos, like for me as a child, it was very much a reality. There was no separation of my awareness of the veil or the realms and that came through direct transmission from my mother and you know as an adult it's been really interesting to look back on the story of the women on my mother's line because they grew up in a time where this was very much mm, ostracized and you know a lot of women ended up in institutions and on medications and all sorts of things through my kind of grandmother's generation my mother's mother and there was this sort of stigma for my mother's mother and my mother's my grandmother's sisters my grandmother and her sisters because they had very active gifts very very active 
seership abilities, empathic abilities. And in a time where the church reigned superior, so to speak, these were these were gifts that were, you know, my mom can remember being in school and undergoing corporate punishment, being slapped with rulers because of her sensitivity to things and her ability to know things that maybe others didn't know and there was this vast attempt to almost rip the gift out of the out of the line so to speak by the society but somehow it remained and that quality of understanding was just with us so for my mother, my mother's mother, my great grandmother, who I had the aunt, you know, I was so lucky to actually grow up in a household where my great grandmother was still alive. And to spend time with her in the rose gardens, learning the stories of Kukulin and hearing about the banshee and just being enriched with this level of mythos and mythogenetics from a very very young age and it really formed me in many ways because I I was instilled with a very deep knowing of spirit from a, a small age and I think a lot of children as they're growing all children have that connection to great spirit but as they mature it's almost um it's taken away on many levels because of the conditioning and the you know society and schooling a lot of people lose that very deep connection but for me it never went away so even in my 20s even in my teens even though things weren't very easy for me because of my gifts and my layers of sensitivity I knew with my whole being my whole being knew that great spirit works through all things. You know, maybe the language I used might have been a little bit different. And that came from that nurturing that I received through through the women in my in my family and the exposure to herbal medicines, the exposure to um, reverence for the holidays, you know, reverence for Samhain, understanding at a very young age the cycles of the year understanding at a very young age the you know the the cross quarter points the elements of Bjaltain and each of the festivals of fire these were traditions that were acknowledged and honored within my home and even when we moved my mom and I and my dad moved to the United Kingdom when I was five and even there you know, my mother kept the tradition very much active within within my life. So I grew up with this. You know, I didn't have to search for understandings of what is Samhain or um, what are the pagan holidays or what are the goddesses. And I didn't have to search for this. I knew this. This came with me from childhood. So I think for a lot of women kind of re-entering the field, they're having to relearn a lot of this. And obviously I'm still learning and there was a lot I didn't know. But at a, at a foundational level, I had a, had a deep relationship with the Morrigan and Bridget. And these were things that were spoken about and shared and educated in my family. So I had that kind of natural connection to it that was with me since childhood. It's very interesting because I had an Irish grandmother who was a master storyteller and she would tell us all about the banshee and my goodness so many stories and it's interesting also because I was raised Catholic and so other than my grandmother's stories it wasn't until I found Andrew Lang's fairy tale books and they're old European folk fairy tales, right? And that utterly captivated me. And that was my opening in addition to my grandmother. But I, I'm so envious of you that you were raised in that way, that it was just, this is really, it's just so part of the Irish and the Scottish heritage. And, and the church did a fine job 
you know, endeavoring to suppress a lot of that. Yeah. I can clearly remember my almost obsession with the Banshee, and I must have been extremely young. It's as, as far back as I can remember, maybe four oldest I was was potentially five but but that young and having this very visceral experience of her combing her hair and almost this deep sense of wanting to find her you know this really was like deep in my being that I would I wanted to find her I wanted to witness her and she was so viscerally real to me you know I did that as a child in the garden seeking out the fairy and I knew they were there I could feel them I wanted to see them with my eyes and this went on my goodness for a period of of years so I just love that you know that we 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 felt that connection at such a young age now how did you find your way to the mushroom yeah so that's a that's a story (laughs) (laughs) I the the pathway came because I was very interested in sort of psychedelic the psychedelic renaissance right so we're kind of talking what like 12 14 years ago now when there's there was this upsurge in in research coming out from Imperial College of London and uh Berkeley and just there was a, a movement happening maths you know this this inquiry into MDMA and psilocybin for therapeutic function and I traveled with with somebody to Spain who was who was experiencing spiritual emergency even though at the time I didn't have the language of spiritual emergency but um this this very very close friend was in was in was an extreme crisis spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and didn't really know how to heal. There, you know, not counseling wasn't working, medications weren't working. Was di- diagnosed with um, complex PTSD, and eventually, this friend found the contact for an underground therapist in in Spain who was working with MDMA at the time. So I traveled with, I traveled to Spain as support and I witnessed this individual go through what can only be described as a miracle. It was a miracle. Like I, I, I brought them, I stayed in the other room while the therapy was happening. So I dropped her at the door and then I left for a few hours and then later in the night, I was called by the therapist to come into the room and sit. And I came into the room and I sat and I couldn't believe what I saw before me. My friend was smiling and light and it was so visceral that something huge had happened. And in that moment, I, w- I just made a decision that this is what I want to do with my life. I want to work in the psychedelic field. So at that time, I really felt it was going to be on a clinical trajectory. I was doing my my master's at the time, you know, planning to move into to doctorate for clinical and started finding resources and connections to study harm reduction and best practice and reading every single article I could find on, on psychedelic treatments. And... Somewhere in the middle of all of this, a couple of years previously, I had taken mushroom at a at a festival in in Africa called Africa Burns, like a Burning Man kind of a thing, it's just a bit smaller. And I had had a hugely spiritual transcendental experience with them. And I hadn't sat with them since then, but I had this curiosity of like, that's the medicine I'm going to work with. That was it. I just knew this. It's like, I'm going to work with psilocybin. I'm going to qualify to be 
work in a clinical matter. I want to be ready. This stuff is going to be legal in the next 10 years. I want to be on the train and I want to be equipped to be able to work with people with this, with this medicine. And so I made a decision to start sitting with the mushroom, similarly to yourself, just to sit with the mushroom to learn from it. Because if I'm going to be a clinical psychologist who works with psilocybin, then I want to understand what psilocybin is like from the inside. And very quickly, very quickly, if not instantaneously, the mushroom basically said, you're not walking a clinical path. You're not going to work in a room with, in a, you know, in a clinical setting with people. This is not what you are here to do. And I started having extremely transcendental experiences at first, which then began to shape into me having direct experiences of the fairy realms on the land in Ireland. And I can only describe it best as what I've read in, in books on shamanism from around the world where the spirit realm turns up to initiate you. You know, it wasn't a human, it wasn't a it wasn't a, a, a course or a training. It was direct experience of my ancestral technology and direct experience of the she who came to tutor me. That's as best as I can really describe it. So this was, as you can imagine, completely unexpected for me. I was... Yes, I had been raised with this understanding, but at that time I thought I'm going to be a clinical psychologist. I'm going to work in like this very clinical setting setting. I would have viewed myself as spiritual, but with a heavy foot in the science realm and wanting to be taken very, you know, taken very seriously for my work. And suddenly I am experiencing something that no one else I knew was experiencing. And that that in itself was quite scary because I didn't really have anybody to talk to about the fact that I'm having this direct experience of beings and ancestral beings, land spirits, fairy spirits, and the she in this way. And that eventually led me to you which was, was one of the gifts that came from that. So could you, what were some of these experiences you were having? I'd just love for you to share just a little bit about that because people are very enchanted, really, really. I, I, I think there's something about this that they recognize because it's, it's something that's being lost as we've, uh, you know, really embraced what is now very commercial culture worldwide, right? And yet this speaks to our heritage for, for so many cultures, right? They, they had their connections to the local spirits and for us it was the she. And so, yeah, what, what could you share of, of, of what happened? On one of my very first explorations, I... You know, I had I had entered the first the first space with mushroom in Ireland. It was the summer solstice, so it was the twenty first of June, and a few friends of mine were gathering near the hill of, hill of Tara, um, and it, at a very very sacred grove in in County Westmeath, and I went. I said, okay, I'll go. And they were um, ingesting wild mushroom that had been harvested the, the September before, around the September equinox. So I thought, okay, this is a really nice kind of social setting, you know, not too intense. And I can I can take a little bit of the mushroom and kind of be with other Irish people and see, see what happens. But we ingested the medicine and there was... It was a, a small festival, so there was maybe about 
a thousand people there. There was music and fire and just really, really special art. And I ingested the medicine with my friends and they, I guess, moved into more of a kind of recreational flow, kind of playful space. But for me, what happened was completely other. It was completely other. I, I was transported beyond, beyond that space and time and began having telepathic conversation with a group of fairy spirits. And it was quite overwhelming for me in many ways because I was sat in circle with friends and they were having their experience, but I was having almost an alternative experience of my reality where these spirits were speaking to me. And one of the first things I remember hearing so clearly was a man who was sitting to the right of me who's a guy I know, suddenly he became the embodiment of this druid, like this ancient druidic man. And I heard him very clearly say, she is of the craft. And those words, I can't even explain to you, Shauna, even my body now. She is of the craft. And in that instant, my whole world changed something in me woke up instantly and I knew I knew I was like I am fairy born like I am fairy born I this I don't know how to even elaborate on that if we're going to get into is it DNA that's a it's a kind of a further conversation maybe we can have it a bit a little bit later here but I knew that I was fairy born and I started to have direct communication with, I would say, five elders, fairy beings in that space. And initially it was like pure trickster energy. There was almost like they were communicating with me in riddle and testing me to see if I could stay in my heart and witness what was happening to me without becoming afraid and witness what was happening to me without falling too far into my head to try to translate what they were saying because the translation needed to come through they basically wanted to read my heart frequency it's the best I can describe it like I I, I knew this I knew it was like stay very present with your heart this is very overwhelming this is beyond my comprehension of what can happen to a human being, you know? Um, and they started to give me direction in that space. So what began to expand was I began to experience an entire realm that was living in that exact area, but beyond the veil. And almost as though the fairy themselves had come out to play. And I know they say this, that on the solstice, very similar to Samhain, that one of the reasons we kind of have the fires lighting and whatnot is because the veil is so thin that they can walk amongst men, right? That they can walk on the land very, very close to our density. And so I had a literal experience that there were the veil was down and it wasn't just humans gathered in that space. It was humans and it was, it was she. And memory started to come back online for me around that. So as the night progressed, I needed to kind of go for a walk and I had to go and find a grove. And then I sat and I was having direct uh, gnosis of how I needed to begin to move forward. So when I came out of that the next morning, I had experienced full communication and connection to a space beyond the veil. I had nobody that I could speak to about this. Nobody. I tried and people just looked at me like I had 50 heads. 
I felt so alone. I will never forget the level of loneliness that I felt in that in the, the following day because I thought I have a gift and possibly no one else on the planet has this gift. That's how isolated I felt. I thought, you don't hear about this happening to people. Is this just happening to me? And what does that mean for me? Does that mean I'm going to spend the rest of my life alone because nobody is going to be able to meet me with the level of capacity that seems to be awakening for me? So it was quite scary. It wasn't like, oh, wow, I just had this experience. This is amazing. It was really, really isolating in many ways. And... Thankfully, they had plans for me and I wasn't alone. And then I started to meet other people, including my my partner now, uh, who were having this level of engagement with the spirit realm. And it was like the people were just put on my path, you know. I didn't need to look for them. They just arrived. And you included in that. And from there, I started to move into layers of more, more... programmed initiation because what I realized was I can't do I can't go to a festival with people and take mushroom that's not possible that is not available to me because while everybody else can take the mushroom and play and be kind of you know um just sociable I was having huge shamanic experiences because I didn't have an elder to walk me to those spaces. I had to almost stumble into it accidentally so that I could figure out this is even a thing and then try to create more more strategic containers where I could go through my initiation, which, which is what I have been doing over the last eight years. Well, I think this is, this is awesome because... <laughs> I'm sitting here listening and there are so many similarities to my own experience. And also I too had no elder, no mentor, no shaman to guide me when I first started entering those, those realms. And, and after my first experience, I realized this is a portal. This is a portal and it's ancient. And, and I just could not wait to get back. Now, you know, I channel they speak with me through me in perfect rhyme. And so you were speaking of how they were sort of testing your heart and opening your heart. And there is uh, emphasis because I've been recently uploading my, my uh, poetic transmissions to video and music. And so listening to these older transmissions saying that the heart is, is this the place through which we enter we are guides and ancient mentors, right? So, so it's very affirming. And this is why I wanted you to come on this podcast because other people, as we know, are having these experiences. And it's important to hear sort of what, what, what you, you have been experiencing so they can realize, ah, oh, all right, so I'm not kind of going crazy here or, or making this up even. This is, I think, really... Um, it's like the old gods rising. The old wisdoms are, are returning because we've, we've been sadly lost. Yeah, that's, that was the key, the key learning that I walked out of that space with was that telepathy occurs through the heart. A telepathy doesn't occur through the mind, it occurs through the heart. And that is exactly like you say, the gateway to be able to commune with these intelligences or these consciousness and beings is through having a cohesive heart center. And that became the, la- the layers of the initiation that was to follow for me were all about attuning my heart so I could release vibrations of fear because there is no, we, we can't hold fear when we're in that space. You know, we need to be able to hold that vibration of the heart so that we can create that cording and that connection to those other spaces. And that's how they enter and how they, how they definitely, how they communicate. 
Yeah. Well, there's so much emphasis on the mind. And, and I remember even my first year of what became monthly mushroom journeys, which I didn't plan, but that's what happened. And I was reading every book I could find. And it was difficult to find a woman's telling. And, and also, so much of those books were more mm, cerebral, if you will. And, and I, I was saying, where's a woman's telling? You know, we're, we're really, we're good at, at storytelling, you know. And, uh, but, but I wanted to hear something more, more from the heart. And, and so I, I just love this. Now, you did find your way to a shaman teacher in, in Africa, Yes. So I would love for you to talk about how, first of all, how you found this person and what the training involved for you. I, again, I, I've been really, really blessed. I have had amazing human mentors and teachers as well that have just sort of showed up and been like, okay, <laughs> we're going to do this. So I had met a man who, who's here who had been working with medicine walking with psilocybin around various mountain ranges in, in, in South Africa. So kind of in, in Table Mountain itself, uh, Table Mountain National Park itself, and then uh, Drac the Drakensberg mountain range and various mountain ranges around the Eastern Cape. So we were introduced and we got on very easily. He was one of the few people, as I had been going through this layer of, of activation, he was one of the few people in the world that I could kind of message and say, I'm having these really intense experiences. And he was able to kind of hold space for me to share a little bit about, about what was going on. And so I found myself back in Africa and we, we met at a, a small, small conscious gathering. And I said to him, I want to, and this was actually based upon your recommendation. So you had said to me on a call, because I'd been doing work and things were happening, but I needed to go deeper, right? I needed to go deeper into like shamanic layers of initiation with the mushrooms. So you had mentioned to me, find someone to hold space for you so that you can go in on the kind of five gram, six gram, whatever dosing. And so I, I, I knew that this was the individual who was going to hold space for me. So I approached him, I asked him, we did the first journey at my home in my living room uh, with the fire lighting and I had quite a big remembrance within that space and then after that he felt I was ready to start going on the medicine walks that, that he does. So his practice for, for 25 years or so had been around intensive vision questing, uh, high-dose mushroom work in at night, in the wild, while moving, right? So this is, how he, this is how he works, particularly. And he took me to the mountain, and basically I was put through something very similar to what I read much, much later in Eliad's Ecstatic, um, oh, what's the book? Eliad's book on shamanism. In Iliad's book, he speaks about how in various shamanic cultures, you have the descent and you have the ascent, and it will also often involve very rigorous trials in the wild, right? And I quickly found myself on this very rigorous trials in the wild. So we would ingest medicine, and then we would go on the medicine walk, and we would start before sunset so we would have some time navigating with daylight but then the sun would set and we would be deep in the mountain and we walked we climbed we navigated without light it taught me how to see in the dark how to navigate in the dark he would never help me so he never once took my hand to help me like climb or move I had to do everything by myself and this was on high doses of medicine 
and I learned to navigate. I learned how to meet the guardians of the space where we found ourselves. And on the very first walk he took me on, he had a pathway that was a specific medicine walk and he knows the guardians that um, that live in that particular mountain range. And at each of the specific etheric entrance points, I stopped and he observed me stop. I felt the, the guardian and I seeked permission to pass through the layers of gateways, so to speak. And I mean, it's, it's interesting here because what I really started to be introduced to on these walks was the consciousness of the dragon. And Africa for me was like, it initiated me into the consciousness of the dragon and how ancient this land is and how these mountains are dragons. They're not even, you know, this is dragon energy. This is dragon consciousness. And I started to be introduced to that layer of, of, of wisdom through the, through the initiatory rites I did with, with my teacher here. So he, he very much just kind of was like, I'm going to take you into the wild and we're going to see what you're made of. And then progressively trained me over three years in this way. And it was such a blessing because I don't know many people that have had opportunity to work with medicine in that way. And also it taught me a lot about myself. This was really, it was intense, but it was effortless for me. I knew already how to see in the dark. I already knew how to identify the energetic beings of a place. I knew where there were certain areas that weren't safe for us to go into because there are very ancient consciousness that live in that particular spot and they do not want to be disturbed and not every place is open and you can you need to learn about what is the land giving you permission to do and that really taught me how to communicate with the land and how to be able to follow the energetic ley lines and walk the ley line and know which direction to to move in how to work with the stars because there was no other light often how to work with the moon and it was it was just incredible so that became where I thought I was going to be studying to be a clinical psychologist I suddenly found myself initiating in deep in the mountains of southern Africa wow okay <clears throat> well you can't <clears throat> you cannot package that can you uh, <laughs> no and what a grace to work with with a teacher in that way and to have that depth of initiation so how would you how would you describe your work now today so from there i my work predominantly is with the land i would say in terms of my my mushroom work the the way that i feel that i'm working is with a lot of land healing so I, I will be drawn to different places. Mostly I'm working, in terms of working with the land, I'm working in Ireland and I'm also working in, in South Africa and I collaborate with uh, Khoisan and uh, even now beginning to introduce more into working with Sangormas and, and um, kind of Ikosa, Zulu, Wisdom Keepers. So I'm very blessed I have a very good relationship of bridge keeping with the indigenous people of South Africa for the work that I do here with the land. And I will always have a representative of the land with me if I do any active grid working so that, you know, we, we're seeking permission in that way. So I'm working a lot with the land and land healing and reestablishing ley lines and re-identifying energetic grids in, in the planet itself. And, and that is a key part that the mushroom has requested of me. But then in terms of working with individuals, I work less and less with individuals with mushroom because as the space began to get more complex for me, 
what I started to realize was my work isn't to sit with someone who is healing from PTSD or to sit with someone who is healing from depression. There are amazing facilitators all across the world who I would refer a client to if they were they were struggling in that way or potentially I would you know maybe myself work with a person with breath work or whatnot but what has evolved for me is this idea of entheogenic leadership so I work with women who are wanting to develop their own lineage of mushroom medicine and Within that, I have a lot of clients working with the mushroom with me who have been working with the mushroom prior to coming to me in their own way. And they're looking for someone who can hold space for them to have a shamanic initiation with mushroom. So this is in the wilds, again, at night. Now, I don't take them on a walk. We do create a ceremonial space. We stay there, but we work with the elements. So... We work with the land, we work with the wind, we work with the trees. I have a, a deep layer of if we're going to work with mushroom, then we need to understand the the other plants as well. And how can we build relationship between the other plants or the trees and, and the mushroom itself? And so now I have a tradition emerging, I suppose you could say it where I'm working with women to bring them through transformational experiences that can assist them in showing up as leaders in many ways of the new paradigm that's emerging. And for some of these women, they work with mushroom themselves with, with their own clients. One of my clients at the moment is a psychotherapist who facilitates soma retreats for individuals with a whole host of, um, of, of, of kind of transformational requirements. And then I have some clients who don't serve mushroom, but who want to deepen into magic and are looking for real access to that which you and I know to be true. You know, we know the she to be real. We have direct experience of the she. And there are a lot of women now who are waking up and saying, magic isn't something you watch on Harry Potter. Magic is something that you can actually live, breathe and embody. And from my experience, the mushroom is the natural gateway into the liminal it's a whole plant you know it's not like ayahuasca you have to brew it you have to combine different elements of 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 bark and plant and this plant you can or this fungi you can pick it directly from the earth if you're living somewhere where it grows seasonally or you can grow it and you can ingest it and you can access what is beyond our basic human comprehension and i think that's what's what the mushroom is really speaking to me now is that level of sacred work with the mushroom is just as important as therapeutic work with the mushroom okay so how i'm interested to hear sort of how you how you sort of vet these women who come to you because what we're seeing now with this big surge in mushroom uh, commercialism is, uh, it, I call it a chop shop. These people who've got these courses uh, for you know how to be a mushroom practitioner, and it's however many thousands of dollars, and it's online, and you know fourteen weeks, and this and this, and 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 it's just that's not how it works. And also what I worry about with that is, so you're teaching all kinds of people willy nilly who you've never likely met. And then you've got people who are going to go out there and use your name and say, yeah, I trained under so-and-so and maybe they're going to do harm. So it's, it's, it's madness. So, so what is, what is your process? How do you decide who you train? So, In the beginning, when I first started facilitating mushroom 
which was for healing and um, activation, so to speak, I was very clear. I was only working with people who were looking for transformational outcome, not not working with people. You know, I would screen very clearly to make sure there was no underlying um, um, mental health issues. But even at that point, I still had a three to six month preparatory window. So they would work with me through direct coaching, breath work, mentorship. And then I would make a decision of, okay, my body is telling me, yes, we're going to go through this process. And I was taking about nine women a year through through this intensive layer. Now I wasn't training them, but it was more for transformational outcome. So I had nine spaces for the year. About two years ago, my whole policy changed. So now I actually only take three women per year through medicine. And with that, I take them through three times. So it's three women across three journeys. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three. It could spread out to across a year, across two years. And these women that I'm now working with at this level, each of the three of them have been working with me through different capacities for the last two years. So, I mean, I'm really careful with who I take into medicine. And it's, it's funny because I'll have people message me, like I had a beautiful woman message me the other day saying, I really want to do medicine work with you because obviously we're so used to a medicine woman is someone you can just approach and say, can I book in for February? I'm going to, you know, pay you and can we do medicine work? But for me, it's not, this is not that. This is like, um, this work, is, the way that I'm doing it is very complex. It's completely different to how most people are working. So I need to know that it's safe for you and that it's safe for me and my partner who, who I work with to bring you out into the wild and to be in spaces where we work here. There's, you know, there's scorpions, there's cobras, there's mountain lions, there's real stuff going on out there. So if I'm going to take you out there, then I need to know you're committed to vision questing. You're committed to learning from your, your indigenous trees, that you're committed to a pathway of herbalism and um, education around certain principles, that you're committed to, to doing breath work with me so that if the, if the journey gets challenging, that I can remind you how to breathe, that I can keep that connection with you so that you know I can help you to navigate deeper into your experience through your breath. Because these women are coming there i'll give you an example one of the women i'm working with at the moment she is learning from the goddess diana and it's quite interesting because i've, I've been working with this woman for for two years and she's been on deep esoteric development for at least 15 years and she knows that she is bringing in wisdom around the traditions of the goddess Diana. But there's not a lot of information because very little information in Diana when you actually start doing research. It's not like the other goddesses. There's not a lot of wisdom. And similarly to how you've been working with the she, she, she wants to learn how to work with the mushroom to be able to bring in transmission from Diana, from that space, because that is part of her life's work. So I help create spaces where we can learn what the goddess is saying through the movement of bats, through the movement of birds, through the movement of the sky, through working with the moon, through working with the stars, and then combining the technology of the mycelium so that we can have that, again, that heart cohesion and that layer of, of communication. So this is the kind of complexity of the women that I'm working with. So it takes time. It's like a year, six months. We do breath work. We do lesser retreats. Um, we do some trainings that I do, different things. And then eventually it's like, OK, we're going to we're going to start a medicine path now. That's fantastic. 
That's fantastic. And that's refreshing. And that is a tremendous amount of responsibility. And so it's almost like you can track looking back over the arc of your life, that perfect choreography, you know, of, of, of all of, of, of which has brought you to where you are today, to where you can make those kind of decisions for people. Yeah. And to be able to say, it's been such a liberation in being able to say, I can only take three women. I, I can't work with 12 women or 20 women. And I have so much respect for those facilitators who can. But, but because you see also, you know, I'm in space with them. I'm in medicine with them. This is, you know, this is different to a more therapeutic holding space. This is an initiation space as opposed to a healing space. These women have done huge amounts of, of self-development work to even get to the point where they're like, okay, I want to go in. And similarly to how I was trained, you know, my training with my teacher came after years of self-development work and, and introspective work and trauma work and somatic work and healing work. And when I got there to the forest, I was ready for an initiatory path, which... What I have been really, really passionate about with the mushroom in particular is that there is a pathway for shamanic initiation with this medicine. And this is why I love your work so much, because you have held that mantle of there is a medicine path here that requires dedication, commitment and exploration and look, you can, everybody will be different. For some facilitators, maybe they go through, they, like I, I have one woman who's a psychiatrist and she's, she's learning from the mushroom at the moment. But my guidance to her is, you don't need to come and sit with me, but you can create a container in your home where you can sit with the mushroom and learn what the mushroom has to teach you directly, Right. So there'll be different layers and pathways and sets and settings for different people. But to have this layer of conversation around, there is a shamanic lineage that is looking to be reclaimed in how we are showing up to this specific technology that goes beyond the confines of... Mm, sitting with a microphone or with a headset and a, and, and a, and a blindfold and, and moving through five grams, six grams, there's, there's a shamanic layer to this medicine that I am having direct experience of and that I know a lot of women. And it's beautiful because when I came to this, you know, 10 years ago, now I'm meeting entire communities of people who are curious, but yes, within that, there is the risk of, like I'm trying to move away from facilitating for people because I want to make sure I facilitate for the right people only and that I keep them safe, I keep myself safe, that everything is really held with deep, deep layers of integrity. And then you have other facilitators out there who have done very little work, have very little qualification in many ways. You know, I don't think you need too much qualification as long as you're committed to initiation with the, with the, with the mushroom but they're holding spaces that are not safe and that compromises what we're trying to do. It puts all of us at risk if we over-commercialize this. Yes, yes. Well, this is, people are very, very eager to learn how to facilitate, but this is an instant coffee. That's everything that you've been talking about this, you're talking about years of exploration and deep study and also your background in psychology. I think it's very, very important that people who, who do this work or who learn how to do this really start to, to learn the deeper layers of, of how, the inner workings of the psyche. And so you mentioned Jung, and I consider Jung to be one of my, what I call teachers from the ethers, as well as Marie-Louise von Franz and Edward Edinger. You can go on YouTube, you can listen to lectures by these people, you will learn so much. Their books are 
phenomenal. In, in other words, this is a, it's a dedicated path, right? It's not something that you just can, you know, take someone's whatever, how to be a practitioner, of course, for 12 weeks online. And now, I don't know. It's... I think it's one of the, 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 the great shames in many ways. It's like a, there's a balance that I'm trying to understand because we're having an explosion of consciousness and we're also witnessing opportunities that didn't exist a decade ago that didn't exist definitely didn't exist 20 years ago and I think a lot of people are really excited and they want to like get involved but they're not recognizing that as a society we are having to deprogram ourselves from instant gratification and consumerism as a stage that defines the idea of the self, right? So I was reading this recently about concept of self and a lot of our self-concept in the West has been dictated by consumerism. So you have to start looking at this of where is that consumerism driving my spirituality or my desire to work with mushroom or whatever it is. Where it comes to the mushroom, it's easy to say, oh, that, that person serving ayahuasca really shouldn't be serving ayahuasca because they haven't been in Peru for 15 years learning from, you know, a senior maestro in that lineage and they haven't been given, you know, sanctioned to service medicine. So it's almost a bit easier to like identify the tradition of a lineage of integrity with the Amazonian plants. But with the mushroom, because we haven't been able to have conversations around, wait, I am an indigenous person from Ireland. I have an indigenous medicine tradition from my land, which was eradicated. And I am trying tooth and nail to be part of the restoration of it. So because there's like that lack of conversation around it, it's almost like, oh, well, it's just mushroom. How, you know, like anybody can really serve it once they're given this sitter manual. And it's almost taking the heart of the sacred tradition, which is inviting us in. There's a sacred tradition saying, come to this path initiate with this path dedicate yourself to this path and put in time and patience and you can experience something that I don't think you can get this with any of the other medicines I really don't like I know they each have their function but what we are being invited into in terms of access to ancient, 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 ancient memory of traditions from Western Europe, from Africa, you know, kinetic technologies. My partner is, is South African and he's very much a holder of the kinetic frequency. You know, this, this is why it's also quite interesting for us to work together because I hold this sort of pre-Druidic even, ancient native Irish technology. And he holds this very Egyptian, Kemetic, African way. And the mushroom has been allowing us to explore these ways that our ancestors worked with the mushroom. And where we bypass all of that and just make it this quick fix thing we're losing so much potential for really deep layers of, of 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 memory to come forth yeah yeah okay well this is this is really heating up here this is fantastic and we are at the end of the first hour so i am going to invite the listeners to head over to the mushroomsapprentice.com and subscribe and you will be able to hear the full two-hour interview. So uh, with that, we'll say goodbye to the listeners and head over to the second hour. <laughs>